Welcome to AquaFarm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I am a professor of pharmacy practice here at the supported sponsor of AquaFarm, ETSU's Bill Gatt College of Pharmacy. It is uh, July 7th, 2022, and I am away from uh, the office doing some remote work uh, at some friend's house. And uh, so I don't have my uh, my yellow legal pad that I usually do to prep uh, a podcast to, to make notes on. Uh, but I do have uh, a St. Jude's Research Children's Hospital um, tiny notepad that I have uh, taken notes down. And so I have notes all over this counter. So it's maybe a little scatterbrained. I apologize, but I'm sort of in vacation mode here. I'll be off uh, next week and uh, and the week after that. Uh, so um, I had a, uh, a listener uh, reach out to me on social media uh, after talking about the um, – uh, the one study about acetaminophen potentially decreasing the efficacy of immune checkpoint inhibitors, and that's one study, right? And that's uh, I wanted to raise that as a, as I said, I think a yellow flag, not a red flag, but just something for us to be on the lookout for. Uh, and um, this listener asked about, uh, well, what about PPIs uh, essentially with immune checkpoint inhibitors? And I'd heard uh, some buzz about some associated with PPIs and decreased. Um, you know, immune checkpoint inhibitor uh, efficacy. Of course, you hear that about PPIs with everything. <laughs> you know, PPIs are kind of, I mean, at least here in the States, they're ubiquitous. All kinds of people are on PPIs. If you had, are admitted to the hospital, you're reflexively put on a PPI without even thinking about how many major or minor criteria do you have for a, a GI stress ulcer. You just put them on everybody. Um, and of course, here in the States, we are um, somewhat of a heavier uh, nation, and obesity is associated as a risk factor for uh, gastroesophageal reflux disease or GERD, as are smoking and alcohol use, which are also, you know, those three are uh, fairly notable carcinogens. So, so you are going to see a lot of PPIs in our in our cancer patients. So, uh, this was something that I had not done a huge uh, deep dive into or, or read a whole lot about. But, um, you know, if you if you PubMed uh, immune checkpoint inhibitor PPI, you find, you know, more than 50, 50 references here and you go through them and I'm going to kind of uh, divide this up into kind of two categories. There's one uh, small body of evidence about increased toxicity associated with PPIs. We'll get through that fast. And there's a larger body of evidence about possible reduced efficacy of, P of immune checkpoint inhibitors with PPIs that we'll go through next. So let's just start with um, the, uh, the toxicity part of it. So uh, real quick, we'll get this out of the way. Uh, Yin and colleagues, Y-I-N, uh, had a, this is a small study, less than 200 patients. And when I went through this, if it was, you know, a retrospective study, they're all retrospective uh, for the most part. But if it was less than 100, I kind of, you know, just just ignored it for the most part. All right, so this is a smallish one, 176 um, <clears throat> uh, receiving um, immune checkpoint inhibitors uh, along with PPIs for uh, metastatic renal cell carcinoma. And there was an increased use of immune checkpoint inhibitor-related um, colitis in the patients who received PPIs. Interesting. I had not, had not heard that one. Um, now, one of the uh, potential theories behind why that may be would be changes in, uh, in the microbiome because PPI use allows more bacteria to translocate from the stomach or the gastric region uh, lower into the uh, small, large intestine, and that may be associated with uh, colitis. That is also part of the theory behind how PPIs may affect um, may affect efficacy by changing the microbiome. Uh, we know that uh, there's a, a fairly convincing level of evidence now that affecting gut the gut biome does decrease the efficacy and change the immune system activity, and therefore uh, can diminish uh, the, the the healthy benefit, so to speak, in cancer patients of immune checkpoint inhibitors. Um, PPIs um, 
relatedly, somewhat relatedly, are one of the most common drugs to cause a drug-induced acute interstitial nephritis, which is, you know, really an immune-mediated um, uh, um, intrinsic nephrotoxicity. So it's not surprising that there are a couple uh, uh, nice studies uh, linking PPIs and immune checkpoint inhibitors to greater risks uh, of acute kidney injury. So uh, there's a study by Gupta that looked at more than 800 uh, patients um, about four, it was 429 to 429, so it was a matched case control study. And PPI use, along with a lower baseline GFR, and um, if they had um, other immune-related adverse events that were not kidney, those three things were all associated with an increased AKI um, in these patients, okay? And then there is a study by Cato that is a review of a Japanese adverse event reporting database that also found that um, immune checkpoint inhibitors with PPIs had a greater risk of AKI than those just taking immune checkpoint inhibitors. So, you know, that to me is, is fairly compelling evidence there, just because when you're looking for a toxicity, yeah, a little bit more control <clears throat> if you're doing a retrospective study, not control, because you have no control in a retrospective study, but a little bit easier to try to balance out uh, possible confounders uh, with regards to a side effect. Now, when you're looking at drug efficacy, in something like cancer, where lots of things can affect how well uh, you will do from your cancer, that's where I think things get a little bit muddy. And now we're going to go into a, kind of a whole bunch of stuff here. All right. And um, first, we'll start with uh, um, a meta-analysis by Lou and colleagues. They looked at 17 studies, more than 10,000 patients, um, and they found that uh, PPI was associated with a decrease um, or a worst overall survival. Hazard ratio is 1.29. Um, so small, like a, a small, uh, you know, increased risk of death in the people on a PPI versus not. Now there was no significant difference with progression-free survival. So, uh, and additionally, if you had melanoma, PPIs were actually favor or actually, um, helpful, so to speak, or associated with a better prognosis than those not on a PPI. So <clears throat> to me, whenever I see kind of discordant results like that, is this just noise, right? Is this just noisy data? It's not a trend. You would... Um, you know, PFS and OS are not as well linked in immune checkpoint inhibitors as, as cytotoxic. So I think that that, uh, okay, you could argue against that. Uh, moving on, there's a study by uh, Homixco, uh, looked at a meta-analysis of three studies, um, 7,500 patients. Now this was, uh, I think, a little bit better study because they were looking at um, checkpoint Checkmate 66, Checkmate 67, and Checkmate 69. So the access to clinical trial data, this would have been collected prospectively did a post hoc retrospective analysis. So the data they had was collected uh, in, in a sound way. And basically those who were on a PPI for less than 30 days were compared to those who weren't, and there was no link. In five of the six, either overall survival PFS, there was no link whatsoever. In five of the six studies with PPIs, uh, Checkmate 69 had to, um, showed a decreased progression-free survival and response rate if you're on a PPI versus those that were not. So again, discordant results. <clears throat> and we have a study by uh, Jordan. Uh, Jordan, this is more than 200 patients, um, and they are looking at people uh, because, you know, obviously people are not taking PPIs in a vacuum. This is looking at people taking PPIs and antibiotics and or or and. So they had a kind of four different groups, none of either, both PPI, both antibiotic, and then PPI, no antibiotic, no PPI, antibiotic. And there are only 31 people in the group that had antibiotics. Um, and 47 of those who had PPI uh, went out antibiotics. But anyway, PPIs, 
uh, antibiotics were associated with, you know, a hazard ratio of 1.9, 2.1 respectively. So uh, almost a doubling of, of the hazard for death if you're taking a PPI or an antibiotic. Um, so perhaps reassuringly taking both also had an odds ratio of 2.1. So not a, not a, not an additive effect if there is an effect here. So we're starting to see a little bit of a trend here. There might be some association with uh, poor survival in these patients, but it's not clean, right? It's not an overwhelming association, right? When we, from what I've uh, at least gone through right now. Uh, so let's look at, uh, moving on, meta-analysis by Lee uh, and colleagues, LI. Five studies, no difference in overall survival. Uh, then there's a different Lee, LI, meta-analysis of seven studies. No associates with overall survival. Okay, this associates starting to get even even more muddy. And there's a different meta-analysis by uh, Kin, Q-I-N, um, seven studies include hazard ratio of 1.3, so modest association with impaired overall survival. And then we, W or WEI, W-E-I, meta-analysis, 14 trials, more than 14,000 patients, all non-small cell lung cancer, hazard ratio of 1.35, significantly poor overall survival if you're taking a PPI. So <clears throat> there's some muddiness here, right? There's some muddiness. It's not clear. At best, there is an association. I think one study that kind of does the best job illustrating this is uh, a study by Cortelli, uh, Cortellini uh, and colleagues um, in the Journal of Immunotherapy of Cancer. I love the title here, Integrated Analysis of Concomitant Medications and Oncologic Outcomes from PD-1, pd one Checkpoint Inhibitors in Clinical Practice. So again, you're not taking a PPI ever in a vacuum. <clears throat> so this was uh, more than a thousand patients. They looked at a whole bunch of different drugs and how they may be associated with outcomes in people taking uh, immune checkpoint inhibitors. So they're looking at steroids. By the way, if you're taking high-dose steroids, what are you probably going to be taking? That's right, probably a PPI, at least uh, here in the States. So steroids, uh, prophylactic antibiotics, um, prophylactic uh, gastric acid suppressants in general. So now you add in uh, like H2 receptor antagonists. Uh, PPIs, uh, anticoagulants, opioids, all five, six, I guess five all five of these drug classes um, were associated with poor survival if you were taking them. Um, all five of them. And, you know, the, the strongest hazard ratio was steroids. Uh, and PPIs actually had, had the lowest association here um, um, sequentially then by prophylactic gastric acid suppressants and then anticoagulants and opioids, then prophylactic antibiotics. So while there is some bioplausibility, that PPIs might lead to diminished effectiveness of checkpoint inhibitors, you also cannot separate the fact that people taking PPIs very likely are perhaps sicker than people not taking a PPI. And no matter how you try to control in your retrospective analysis or your regression model or whatever for performance status or weight or smoking status, you know, the more variables you put in, uh, probably the more noise you're going to get uh, on the back end here. Um, speaking of the bioplausibility, I do have to mention this. This is maybe the more interesting thing I came across. Now, this is an industry-funded uh, study um, from uh, – this is a, a drug company in Japan, and they have this product that is an active uh, – I guess you would call it a probiotic. I don't know, but it's a Clostridium uh, butyricum or butyricum, and uh, they have suggested – um, maybe in some preclinical work that if you give it to people with lung cancer on immune checkpoint inhibitors, the immune checkpoint inhibitor works better. And they had shown, they had given this to some people and then retrospectively looked back at who was on PPIs and, and are suggesting here that you can actually overcome a, this negative association with PPIs by giving people Clostridium uh, butricum uh, by mouth. But anyway, this is a drug company 
opponent's study, if they had uh, done the same study 20 different times and, and had negative results, they wouldn't have published that. So uh, potential for publication bias. And again, like I said last week, when you have one study suggesting something, always wait for more data. So, you know, we're kind of left with um, there is a, I don't think I would say a clear association because there's somebody out there who could be writing a narrative review article and, and looking at all the studies um, that only show a positive benefit and say clear association. And I think there's enough studies that you could say there's uh, not a clear association. And when you add all up, there's, you know, maybe this, maybe the number of publications that's suggesting uh, there is an association uh, slightly outweigh the others numerically, but that's nothing, not speaking anything of the quality um, of the data. Uh, finally, or as we wrap up, I'll mention, um, this is similar to that study the Checkmate folks did. This was um, by uh, Hopkins, uh, not, not Johns Hopkins, but someone named Ashley Hopkins in Australia. Uh, at a College of Medicine and Public Health Fair and some colleagues who looked at the efficacy of atizolizumab uh, in uh, metastatic non-small cell lung cancer um, receiving either antibiotics or PPIs. And this was a pooled analysis of, of five randomized studies. And, um, you know, they, this is, um, you know, 4,000 patients. Uh, but what's interesting is, is again, they're using this this pooled data from, from these studies. They also, the atizolizumab, uh, also has done this with uh, oak poplar specifically, those trials. <clears throat> so this is what I would say. If this, if there is a, a negative association, who is it going to affect? Obviously patients, but it'll affect the people making these drugs. And so then I went and looked at uh, clinicaltrials.gov and I looked at, you know, exclusion criteria. And are you starting to see these drug companies add PPI use as an exclusion criteria. And I didn't see that. And if, if they do start to see, if you do start to see that, then my eyes would be wide open that the, they're worried that's going to decrease the efficacy of their drugs and how much they can they could sell those drugs. Uh, what I did find though, I didn't see this for any nivolumab studies or pembrolizumab studies, but I did find an atizolizumab study, um, a new adjuvant atizolizumab study in cutaneous melanoma, where they are excluding people who have received IV or oral antibiotics within the previous two days or the previous two weeks uh, prior to treatment. So, you know, I mentioned a lot of studies there. I'll put some of the more interesting ones in the show notes, but, you know, kind of to, to wrap up here, there is, uh, there's a, there's a suggestion. How about we say that? There's a suggestion. I won't even say an association. There's a suggestion that perhaps PPIs might be associated with decreased efficacy to immune checkpoint inhibitors. Um, again, association uh, does not mean causation. Correlation does not equal causation. Um what you know does this change practice well you know may, are you more inclined to stop ppis it depends on how um on how strict you are in allowing ppi usage for um soft indications and if your practice is kind of like mine where somebody's on a ppi and there's not a good reason for it you try to get them off of it uh because you know it, it's associated with lots of uh you know chronic morbidity and, and toxicity and it can be hard for people to stop ppis but you know, you can titrate them down to an H2 receptor antagonist. Uh, there's a rebound effect if you stop that cold turkey. Uh, so you do have to take them down slowly over a period of time off their off their PPIs. Uh, and again, I, like I said, for most of us, that is probably our standard of care, as is. Uh, a little bit more uh, worried about uh, the link between maybe increased uh, acute kidney injury. But again, it's also a small-ish uh, body of evidence. So uh, I don't know that it changes anything, but there's certainly more to talk about with that than there is with acetaminophen based on what we have have published. Um, um, so anyway, that's that's the the PPI business there with uh, with immune checkpoint inhibitors. 
uh, you know, lots of potential confounders in these studies. Uh, most of this is retrospective. So, um, you know, we're not, we're not, even though there's a lot of it, a lot of data, it's not exactly the highest quality data, which makes it hard to make any definitive conclusions, in my opinion. Uh, and then I think I mentioned this last week. Next week, we'll have a sort of a bonus episode that's not necessarily uh, hemonc related, uh, but is, um, uh, but is maybe somewhat, uh, you know, it's immunosuppressant related. So some of you will be interested. It's a, um, uh, kind of a, a patient case about living with lupus nephritis. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Firm Deatonib. You can follow the, both the Twitter and podcast at OncoFarmPod on Twitter and Instagram. And until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter. Thank you.